Oddity Files is part of the Just What I Needed network, and we hope we're just what you needed. Oddity Files. We did it. Fucking retrograde. We did it. Nick. <laughs> just saying. Shit. Since what? It's over on the 20th. Since what? It's been a year, right? So, right? We've been in retrograde <laughs> since last year? <laughs> oh, God, no. This is one of the shorter ones. So, this right here, this bracelet, I only wear during retrograde. My BFF, KJ, got it for me. It's supposed to protect me from retrograde. You might want to get one. I need to get one. Nick was having computer problems. I do. I need to put. Well, I need like a little anklet, like you know how you wear your key uh, when you go to a water park for a locker. Back when those were things, you just slapped it around your uh, your ankle, swam around. It never went With anywhere. Like the little spiral, <laughs> hot pink. Yeah. <laughs> You'd be like, sir, do you have this in a different uh, color? And like, no. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> do you have electric green? Yeah. Come on, man. Give electric green, yellow, something. <laughs> Oh, but you kids are listening to Oddity Files, the podcast. Nick is in his podcast dungeon in his hat and his jacket because it's freezing for him in Tennessee. I personally got eight inches of snow this week and fucking over it. Yeah, I uh, when we moved to Tennessee, it was. Oh, and you're a Florida man, too. Oh, that's. Oh, I am a worse. Florida man. <laughs> yeah, we moved to Tennessee. I didn't mean it that way. <laughs> yeah, like you've you've heard me, and I am one of the many Florida men that you hear about in the news. Yes, I have wrestled an alligator with my left hand. Um, when we moved to Tennessee, the first year we moved here, we got a shit ton of snow, and it was really cool because we, I mean, we hadn't really seen it. And today, <laughs> being here for like six years, it snowed again, and we're like. I just want this to go away. You know, I'm, I'm going to be 30 this year, and it reminds me not to take summer for granted, because in summer, I'm like, I'm like, I just, I am <clears throat> miserable. I mean, just miserable. <laughs> like, there aren't shorts short enough to Same. keep me co- cool during summer. <laughs> Same. So. That's why I got a camper. I can't do a tent, because it's too fucking hot and humid. Yeah. Ugh, humidity. Can't do it. Can't do it. Can't do it. No. Ugh. No. Get away from me with that humidity. Anywho, there's your weird weather report for the week previous to when this episode. We gotta airs. keep them. We gotta keep them guessing. You know, I think that's the key. Is like, yeah, exactly. We're not gonna talk about movies this time. We're gonna talk about the weather that's a week late. Then you're hearing this <laughs> on last week's weather. Let's talk about. <laughs> I mean, I could make shit up and talk about next week's weather, but it, I'll probably be wrong. Just like every weatherman out there. Yeah. So. I recorded a Patreon video today where I tried to investigate Sans Spirit Box because it's so easy. I mean, they just talk to me and tell me what's going on. And Chris was home, so I didn't want to turn it on to be real with all y'all. But I investigated, tried a flashlight session. And I love flashlight sessions, and I know fans of Oddity Files, the TV show, love the flashlight sessions. Let me tell you a little behind the scenes. Clayton always set up the flashlight. 
I'm terrible at it. I can never get it just right. <laughs> so there's at one point where I pressed the button on iMovie and fast forwarded five minutes where I was just asking questions and nothing was going on. And I popped up the little thing um, like SpongeBob and it said five minutes later. <laughs> but yeah, I did a pendulum session and it's available to Patreon members pledging $10 or more a month. And that's patreon.com slash oddity files if you'd like to check that out but yeah some more quandaries i I, apparently two of my spirits are missing and anna can't tell me where they are so oh shoot but they're coming back yeah that's interesting there you have it wow all right all the cool stuff and kitsy's haunted attraction (laughs) (laughs) yeah i got nothing going on here unfortunately well that's not such a bad thing I did watch a show called The Magicians, mm. not like where I paid attention to like, I don't even know what season we're on now. Yeah. Um, but all of a sudden, like, let's guess I'm on season four. I started paying attention. I'm like, oh, this is really good. I should probably go back and rewatch everything. <laughs> it's on Netflix. I think it was a sci-fi show. And they dropped the motherfuckers like nobody's business. Like the is word? thing on cable now? The word, yeah, yeah. So I was it. It's mm-hmm. uh, it's so funny because like AMC, you know, they 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 tiptoe around it, but uh, it's like FX, Sci-Fi, USA, and I think TNT now can say it because when I used to watch Mr. Robot, uh, second season, I mean, they were dropping F word, C word, they were going ham, and that was on mm. like nine o'clock. But I think Sci-Fi has been doing it for. Uh, I, I want to say sci-fi was the first... I mean, Comedy Central was the first per- place to do it after 10 p.m. Yeah. or whatever. Um, but yeah, it's like, I mean, Major, was it Snowpiercer, apparently, on TNT? Uh, they drop oh. all sorts of uh, foul languages. I know Shit's Creek would, like, drop one fuck per episode. It was just one. And I'm like, ooh, look at Cable getting all fucking fancy. Um, but yeah, I heard a couple motherfuckers, and I was like... Ooh, cable's getting dirty. <laughs> yeah, I it's I don't really know how it works. I mean, FX, I think the first because first season of Mr. Robot, there was like one, but they like blanked it out. But I think FX when I watched the first season of Atlanta, I was like, "Wow, you there's zero censorship uh anymore." <laughs> it's like watching pay stations. Yeah. Yeah. It truly is, but I mean, I, I remember like The Walking Dead earlier seasons, whatever season it was, was like three or four when, when, uh, when he he says like they screwed with the wrong people or or they're messing with the wrong people, and I guess on the DVD they shot him saying they're fucking with the wrong people and they couldn't air it. Oh, um, and I'm just like that doesn't make any sense because everyone else is doing it, but I guess back then, back then, uh, <laughs> I don't know, three years three ago. Years, no, Walking Dead's on, like, season fucking 10 or something. Yeah, coming to a close. Where have the last 10 years of my life gone? That's all I want to know. Yeah, that's... that's. <laughs> I did watch The History of Swear Words. How about you? I watched the first episode. Uh, I didn't continue. I don't know why. I guess, what, I, I guess I wasn't in the mood for it when I put it on. Yeah. Gotta be in a mood. I can see that. It was it was super interesting. I do adore Nick Cage. Mm. He's got his like Chris Evans hair going on, looking rather swanky. Um, but 
it was it was super interesting. And then I ran across the only reason I'm I'm bringing it up. Well, because we were talking about swear words and it was the perfect segue. So why not? Um, I saw a tweet today that the word fart has been around since 1250. Yeah, apparently that was the first like the first swear word, which is so funny to think about. And it's like when you're a kid and you learn what the word fart means, you're like, oh, nobody else can know what this means. You know what I'm thinking? Am I the only one that thought like that? (laughs) That was it. Like the word fuck, it's been around forever. And I'm like, I just feel like it's just only been around since the 70s. Like me, you know, (laughs) it's just, I don't know. It's weird to think about Victorians dropping the F-bomb or talking about farts. I just, I feel like... That shows kind of where things started and then how they are now. Because I remember, I, I guess a few years ago, uh, someone in a conversation, and I Googled it later because I was like, I don't believe anything you say. Somebody in a conversation <laughs> brought up that fart was like the first true swear word and that it was so offensive, um, which I guess was a joke back in Monty Python and the Holy Grail when he talks about that he'll fart in his general direction. That was just a play. On the fact that way back when, that was a genuinely strong, offensive term. <laughs> My whole life makes sense now. It totally does. So it's just... Chris and I have this game. When we fart, we say, I fart in your general direction. <laughs> I am... I, I grew up with three sisters, so there were new bo- no boys, so a farting was a game in my house. I don't even care. I'm sure somebody's heard me fart during this podcast at some point in time. <laughs> now you've, like, created this seed, like what James Gunn did with Guardians of the Galaxy, where he's like, there's one Easter egg that no one's found. Now everyone's going to go back through all podcasts to be like, let's find where Kitsy farted. <laughs> And I'll be like, nope, that was an EVP. <laughs> That's what I'm going to do. Every time I fart on the podcast, I'm going to go, did you hear that EVP? I totally heard that. Oh, this took, this took a turn I did not, I was not prepared for, but. Same. <laughs> but that's why I love hanging out with you, Nick. <laughs> from the you weather. You never know what kind of turn. From the weather from a week and a half ago to the people who are listening now. Yes. To the history of fart. The word fart and how often I do said farts. <laughs> I did want to let everybody know at the end of February that I'm going to release another paranormal crossroad. Very excited about it. I'm hoping to have a teaser up soon ish rather than later ish. It is going to be a two parter and I'm very excited about it. So um, keep your eyes and ears and all the things open. Make sure you follow us on all the socials. Just go to flow.page slash oddity files, and you should be able to find that. I'm not farting. I have something in my eye. I, your hand is on your face. How would you at all be farting? <laughs> well, not everybody can see what's going on. Uh, and I started talking. Uh, my cadence changed. <laughs> I was going to say, when you just brought that up about uh, about the, the new episode, I thought you were about to say, and I have a new book coming out at the end of February. Um, oh, God. And I was about to be like, holy shit, why would you drop this on me? But then it gave me a perfect opportunity to say, if you haven't, please buy Kitsy's book. It's available on please. Amazon. <laughs> and if you have, 
please leave a review because you guys squashed that motherfucker who left the first and worst review. <laughs> and now I'm showing five stars, even though it's really 4.8. But still, there's only 23 reviews on Amazon Kids. Come on. I expect a little more from y'all. Put just a scope. I'm just kidding. I appreciate if you even looked at it on Amazon, <laughs> let alone bought it or reviewed it. So, but if you could leave a review, that'd be great. <laughs> like, don't don't leave a review. Just open the Amazon page and just look at the reviews for like three and a half minutes. And then if you feel inclined to after looking at them, please do. But if you don't, just looking at them is enough. <laughs> sure, sure. We'll go with that. <laughs> but buy the book while you're there too. Oh, Lordy. Yes, please, please do. It's called I'd Rather Talk to Dead People. It's on Amazon, as you already know, and Barnes and Noble online. It is available with Kindle Unlimited. So if you've got that, it's like getting my book for free. But then you have to review it. If you're getting it through Kindle Unlimited, I really think you have to leave a review. Fair Can enough. I put that out there. Just did. Cool. I think that's fair. I have been meaning to talk about this for eons. So I had the North Cat, did I talk about this already? The North Canton uh, Paranormal Detectives of Ohio sent me these lightsaberish dowsing rods that light up in the dark. I feel like you mentioned dowsing rods last week, but you didn't go this deep into detail. Oh, sweet. So they sent them to me just out of the kindness of their heart. So I feel like I should talk about them, even though they sent it to me like, a month and a half ago. So check out ncpdohio.com. They've got these dowsing rods that are, they come with a little carrying case and they light up with, it almost looks like, uh, you know those glow necklaces? It looks like it's almost made out of that. Oh, hell yeah. But it's yeah. battery operated. So yeah. And you can choose colors. So one rod can be green and one rod can be orange. So you can be like, touch the orange rod or whatever. But I'm a big fan of them. They've also released a new piece of equipment whose name is escaping me right now. But if you go to ncpdohio.com, it's up there. He, he gives a video on how it works. It's like this little pop-up light that senses uh, electromagnetic fields. And you can adjust the sensitivity on it. And it's it's really freaking cool. So they're really nice people check them out. I appreciate the shit out of them. I believe that is everything on my list. And I was afraid if I didn't get it all out, we'd end up talking about the weather for much longer. Nick, do you have anything I, you feel is pressing? I've got nothing. I feel like last week we we, we spent like, what, 30 minutes on uh, banter? <laughs> so, yes. So I'm just going to take absolutely did. I'm going to take this moment and go, no, I've got nothing else to add. <laughs> Well, let's just hand things over to Ms. Fortune Astrology so she can let us know what's in the stars and what is, you know, the right steps to take this coming week. Hey there, oddballs. It's Jess from Ms. Fortune Astrology here with your weekly energy forecast. On Saturday the 27th, we have a full moon in Virgo, just shy of nine degrees. This full moon perfects at about 3.15 a.m. here on the East Coast, and it will be picking up on the themes of the Saturn-Uranus square that we talked about a couple of weeks back. That monster has been dogging us all of February. It's separating now, so the influence is waning. But the full moon forms an awkward and imbalanced angle to the Saturn side of the equation, so expect some turbulence. 
Overall, the Saturn-Uranus square is forcing change in an area of our lives where we probably thought we could cruise a little bit longer. With the rug having been unceremoniously ripped out from beneath us, this full moon comes along to kick us in the junk while we're already down on the ground. An adjustment is necessary to the amount of responsibility we're bearing in an emotional relationship. Either you're doing too much or you aren't doing enough, and this moon will see you fed up with that imbalance. Use the trine to Uranus to make positive changes. The energy of this lunation may slap you across the face pretty hard, but the good news is it will be easy to move forward along the path of least resistance if you just take an honest look in the mirror. Wednesday, March 3rd sees Mars enter Gemini, and Venus in Pisces forms a sextile to Uranus in Taurus. Mars in Gemini is absolute crack whore energy. After a slow and steady slog through Taurus, Mars is going to tear it up through Gemini, where he wants to have a finger in every pie. The motivation is certainly there with this transit. The problem is that Mars is easily bored here and tends to scatter his energy. So it remains to be seen whether he actually accomplishes anything. He's here until April 23rd. Venus sextile Uranus next Wednesday is a stimulating influence that could shake up your social life in all the right ways. It's also possible you'll experience a financial windfall under this energy. Love is possible now too. Just keep in mind that relationships begun under Uranian energy tend not to go the distance. It will be hot and the road to the bedroom will be short and straight. But unless both of you are free spirit types who don't actually want to be tied down, chances are you won't be marrying anyone you're in a budding romance with now. Finally, Thursday, March 4th brings our last Mercury-Jupiter conjunction. This aspect has repeated three times because of Mercury's retrograde. Once on January 11th, next on February 14th while Mercury was moving backwards, and now again next Thursday. Generally speaking, this aspect brings optimism, good news, and open-mindedness, but it usually only lasts a day. Since we'll be getting three hits of this particular conjunction this year, it suggests more of an extended story about something or someone you have every reason to be really happy about. If you don't know who or what that is yet, you most certainly will by the end of next week. I'm going to change up my plug a little bit this week and tell you all about a workshop I'm holding next Thursday, March 4th, from 7 to 9 p.m. via Zoom. It's called Picking Up the Pieces, and in it, I'll teach you how to do effective shadow work using astrology and journaling exercises that are specifically tailored to expose those hidden parts of you that need to be seen, healed, and integrated. If you're interested, you can find more information and sign up right on my website, misfortuneastrology.com. That's M-S-F-O-R-T-U-N-E-A-S-T-R-O-L-O-G-Y.com. Ciao for now. And welcome back, children. I appreciate Jess, who is Misfortune Astrology. Just putting it out there, Crack Whore Energy is the name of this episode. She works hard for the money, so make sure you head on over and check out her website. She is an amazing person. But I do have some paranormal in the news that popped up in the Facebook fan group. This one comes at us from fangirl is what I'm going to call her, Nikki Kelly. The headline reads, Walker discovers haunting collection of baby dolls nailed to trees. I think I recently did a story from the UK where somebody found a doll nailed to a tree. So let's see how this goes. I didn't read the story. This is all new to me too. It says, a haunting collection of dolls found nailed and tied to trees on the site of an abandoned village has been discovered by a walker. 
The hospital worker, age 64, was met with the doll's unblinking stares peering down at her as she headed out for a walk in Forest near Hedensford, Canuck Chase, Staffordshire. All the names. She insists the dolls were tied up in some sort of order. That's air quotes around some sort of order or real quotes in the story I'm reading. After finding them at the former site of a First World War military hospital. <gasps> oh, that's kind of cool. Which later became a mining village before it was abandoned in the 1950s. The theater practitioner at Walsall Manor Hospital, who has not given her name, said, When I was on my walks, I looked a bit further, and as I dug through the undergrowth, I saw these dolls. We're quoting her here. They were in some sort of order. Their dresses were all raggedy, and they were all tied and nailed to the trees. I am going to show you, Nick, the picture of said dolls, because I'm getting the screen share thing down nice and good oh look at See those them there yeah so i think it's because they're mossy but they're all in like military green i'm not gonna lie oh yeah. look at that one jesus <laughs> whoa hey oh good lord yeah the one with the blue eyes is a little too freaky for me so there yeah. you have it dolls hanging in trees i don't think it went on to say why it just says the 1924 the hospital was closed and the land was instead used to house the families of 75 miners um following her discovery the walker later returned to check out the dolls again she said it wasn't that scary and i stood amongst the dolls i was saying my prayers i talked to the dolls and wished the children who used to live in the mining village eternal rest i'm not gonna lie I would have taken one or two. <laughs> I know, like that would be the key theirs because maybe the dolls belong to someone and then they're living on through the doll, potentially similar to your two that you have. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that probably would have been an interesting thing to do. I'm not going to lie. Hold on. I'll show you the one I, I did steal from a location. Oh. Oh. And it was pretty much just because it reminded me of Toy Story. Oh, yeah. Whoa. Like the hair's missing. I did clean her up a little bit. Um, but I'm waiting for, you know, like this eye to start fluttering open on a regular. Oh, oh, she's not nearly as creepy now. Let's put that back. There we go. <laughs> so there was this abandoned asylum. I think it was a nursing home, blah, 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 blah that I came across a couple of years ago and we were filming the season three oddity files opener there. We never investigated it. It was, it was pretty creepy and extremely run down. And like a year later it went for sale for a bazillion dollars. Wish I could have bought it, but she was just laying on the front porch and I'm like, you know what? I think she needs a new home. I wonder if this is Howard. Hmm. Oh, very hmm. interesting. I doubt it. I don't feel anything <laughs> attached to it. But I, uh, you never know. <clears throat> as far as like the dolls go, there's two little quick tidbits. So I don't know. I, I don't. I don't have it in front of me. So this is just coming <laughs> just straight from like pulling from whenever I heard it uh, years <laughs> ago. But 
there was something that I read or somebody had told me or I had seen it in a documentary, one of the three, so I'm covering my tracks here, that <laughs> all <laughs> like bases. Idris, Idris, and Eldris Elba. Yes, mm-hmm. covering all of them. Um, that baby dolls are were actually used, and I believe it's over in Europe, that baby dolls are actually tied to trees as a sort of scarecrow effect for people who are trespassing onto property to basically create, that. like, to catch the attention of somebody and go, uh, okay, let's turn around. Um, so that's one. That makes all the sense. And then two, that, um, especially if this was from the military, if there were lives that were lost, if there was a fire, if there was something that happened, these baby dolls could be put there, uh, to symbolize kind of the children. It reminds me of, uh, what's the asylum in, uh, uh, Philly? Um, Penhurst? Yes. And the actual like museum portion, I believe there's a part of that where they had like a few, like a dozen dolls or whatever in the museum portion that they actually kept oh. um, to symbolize like the loss of children. So I wouldn't be... That makes sense. I wouldn't have been as creeped out. I definitely would have been more interested in like, what's the history of this place? So she was right to go yeah. back and do her little prayers and whatnot. Yeah, she's good people, even though she won't tell us who the fuck she is. But, you know, whatevs. Yeah. I get that. <laughs> she probably was trespassing. So she's probably just looking out for herself. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah, well, you know. Okay, you may have heard or may not have heard, but our newest podcast partner is freaking Chewy, guys. I know, we, we talk about our pets all the time, and we kind of love our pets a little too much just like you guys. But we're always looking for ways to save money in these current financial times. Chewy's it. Type in tinyurl.com slash OFChewy. You help support the podcast. I personally get both our dog's food and our dog's treats and a couple other things sent on a monthly basis directly from Chewy with their subscription service. So please check it out. Please help us out by subscribing to all of your Chewy goods at tinyurl.com slash OF Chewy. My dogs will thank you. Looking for something a little scarier and creepier to listen to during your podcast binges? Well, check out Get Scared Podcast. Every episode, I read stories by independent horror authors that are meant to get you scared. Yeah, I can be creepy. So, so head on over to your favorite podcast app. Search for Get Scared Podcast. I'm Kitsy Duncan. Let's get scared. Find out why people are calling Paranormal Crossroads a great spiritual journey, or groundbreaking, heartfelt, funny, this new series is absolutely amazing. Just head to tinyurl.com slash paranormalxroad. That's the letter X. This all-female paranormal team, including myself, Kitsy Duncan, KJ, and Spirit Medium, 
Tiffany Rice. Go where no paranormal show has gone before. We head to people's homes and places of work where they're dealing with a haunting of any kind. Nine times out of 10, there's happy tears, there's laughter. This is the paranormal show you've been waiting for. We're adding new episodes monthly, and this is a show you don't want to miss. No screaming, no demons, all the love, light, peace, and positivity, and bringing family members closure. Head on over to tinyurl.com slash paranormalxroad. That's X as in the letter X. Um, I guess we got stories to tell. And I am going out on a limb. I think I know who goes first. And I think it's you. Oh, shit. I think it is, too. Because I can't wait to hear your part. (laughs) (laughs) So this is part two of the, the crazy, wild, fascinating story of the exorcisms of LaToya Amans. So... I feel like I have a little part where it started, but basically where we left off was they uh, they reached out to a Dr. Jeffrey, whose last name I will butcher if I pronounce. Dr. Jeffrey said, hey, I'll come to your house. I'll talk to you. I'll speak to you, but I need psychiatric clearance to do so. And she, uh, LaToya, signed it, said, okay, you're good. Um, he jotted a couple things down in his DCS report of the family, and he's like, sweet, we're good. And that is where we left off last week. Nothing like leaving me hanging, Nick. I know. It's what I do best. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what that means. Uh, <laughs> I don't either, but it sounded good. So Dr. Jeffrey finally showed up to the house. And after all this, I bet he wish he didn't. Uh, after a house call regarding the Amon's boys, this is what happened next. Campbell, who is the grandmother of LaToya, the grand the grandmother? Mm. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I think of the kids, maybe? Yes, I believe so. Okay. Campbell said Amon's son cursed Dr. Jeffrey and demonic voices raging at him. Medical staff said the youngest boy was, quote, lifted and thrown into the wall with nobody touching him, according to a DCS report. Just diving right into it. <laughs> oh, Yeah. Bring it. <laughs> the boys abruptly. So this is at the house. This is uh, these two. These this report is from the hospital. The story picks up. Uh, they're at the house, so they're kind of okay. crossing. But we are at the house, and we're going to wind up in the uh, in the hospital. Okay. The boys abruptly passed out and wouldn't come to life. Campbell added. She cradled one boy in her arms. Amans held the other. Someone from the doctor's office called nine one one. Dr. Jeffrey said seven or eight police officers and multiple ambulances showed up. Quote, everybody was dot, dot, dot. They couldn't figure out exactly what was happening, he recalled. Police and emergency personnel took the boys to Methodist Hospital's campus in Gary, Indiana. Amon said hospital personnel laughed at her desire to anoint her sons in olive oil. Okay. (laughs) Well, didn't the one preacher say that... They needed to do the walls with olive or with oil, so maybe she's like, "Oh, this will fix." Yeah, them. she's like everything. All of it. Put a, put olive oil on my babies. Yeah. Like put just <laughs> lather them up. "Quote: I couldn't talk to them," she said. "Quote: So I talked to God." The boys woke up in the hospital. The older boy, then nine, acted rationally, but the youngest screamed and thrashed. Campbell said, "She said it took five men to hold him down." 
Meanwhile, someone called DCS and asked the agency to investigate Amans for possible child abuse or neglect. The caller, who is not named in the DCS report, speculated that Amans might have a mental illness. The person believed the children oh. were performing for Amans and she was encouraging their behavior. I, I, that probably would have been my first thought as well right. because possession, I'm like... <laughs> I, I don't. I need to see it to believe it. And I'd, I'd see it and I'd be like, nah, I don't think that's it. So, <laughs> Yeah. I mean, and they at this point have a record. So this started, what, in November 2011? Yeah. And then we kind of climbed ahead. Shit was happening. Shit was happening. And then we hit March. And then it's just back to back to back to back. All these specific things are happening. So it's like, yeah, this is pretty freaky. But it is like, I mean, I guess if you have never heard... A, demo- a, a child speak in a demonic tone or voice you probably are convincing yourself that it is it has to be fake it has to be well they're rationalizing it they're like it it like me possession can't be real you know there's got to be a, a, a serious reason you know it's got to be mental illness on her part or something yeah so i mean i i get that i do yeah it's it's so interesting and i think that an, a, a further conversation that can be had after this is like I feel like in the medical and scientist uh, scientific fields, things have to be rationalized, which I think leave holes um, wide open and things that, that could actually be an a, uh, intelligent discussion. So it's like if you rationalize something yes. all the time, you're always going to jump to the rational conclusion. And there's nothing about our lives that are fully rational ever, really. No. Uh, like, no, you're absolutely right. No. And I think that's why a lot of people are so quick to debunk anything paranormal because, I mean, there's got to be a reason. Ghosts can't be real. So, yes, I am on the same page, but understand where you're coming from. And LaToya was coming from as well. Yeah. So I apologize. I wasn't trying to be like, well, I don't believe your story either. I was just trying to no. play devil's advocate. No pun intended. Yeah, I was about to say, hey, oh. Uh, DCS family, uh, DCS is what I said, right? Yes. Uh, DCS family case manager Valerie Washington was asked to handle the initial investigation into Amans. She gave the following account to police and in her intake, or in her intake officer's report, hospital personnel examined Amans and her children and found them to be healthy and free of marks or bruises. A hospital psychiatrist evaluated Amans and determined she was of, quote, sound mind. There you go. Mo- inching, inching closer. We're moving. Slowly yeah. but surely. Uh, Washington interviewed the family in the hospital. While she spoke to Amans, a seven-year-old boy started growling with his teeth showing. His eyes rolled back in his head. The boy locked his hands around his older brother's throat and refused to let go until adults pried his hands open. Oh, shit. I hadn't heard that. <laughs> just casually happens. So you got the nine-year-old who's the seven-year-old who was stable, the nine-year-old who lost his shit, and then somewhere in the mix, there's a twelve-year-old in there too. Oh my god! <laughs> and she's interviewing, and then this is happening, and it's just it consistently chaos, and it just gets even. She's crazier. like, I hate my job. <laughs> she's like, what is this? Uh, yeah. Later that evening, Washington and registered nurse Willie Lee Walker brought the two boys into a small exam room for an interview. Campbell joined them. The seven-year-old stared into his brother's eyes and began to growl again. Quote, It's time to die, the boy said in a deep, unnatural voice. I will kill you. While the youngest boy spoke, the older brother started headbutting Campbell in the stomach. 
Campbell grabbed her grandson's hand and started praying. What happened next would rattle the witnesses, and to some, it would offer not only evidence, but proof of paranormal activity. This is what I've been waiting for. <laughs> I didn't realize all that other shit happened, but this I know of. It's, it's just so much. According to Washington's mm-hmm. original DCS report, this yes, this is reported. There are accounts that have been corroborated. They exist. Uh, they were corroborated by Walker. But no video. No video. No video. No. Uh, but they were corroborated by Walker, uh, the nurse. The nine-year-old had a weird grin and walked backward up a wall to the ceiling. Up a wall. He then to the, to the ceiling. He then flipped over Campbell, landing on his feet. He never let go of his grandmother's hand. Quote, he walked up the wall, flipped over her, and stood there, Walker told the star. There's no way he could have done that. I was like, what the fuck? No. Yeah. 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 This is ins- like, this is wild. Well, he, he was literally dancing on the ceiling. Yes. Dancing <laughs> on the ceiling. And and here's the thing. I told I've told my my siblings that I wanted to kill him. I was a very mean oldest sibling. Sibling. I really truly was. But I've never walked on the ceiling. <laughs> it's you know it, there's this and and we're gonna see it here in just a second. But there's this sort of like back and forth, this forward and backwards game of like, oh it's rational. Oh shit, something happened that we can't explain. Oh no, but they said yeah. it all the time. Oh fuck, there's a kid on the wall. Like yeah, it's <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's what's so intriguing about this story. Yeah, it's insane. So later, police asked Washington whether the boy had run up the wall as though performing an acrobatic trick. Washington said, no. <laughs> Let's be rational. What's, but- what's that called when people run up the, the walls? What is that? It starts with an S, right? It's not Rochambeau. It's- parkour is like the one is one of it. Yes. Yeah. Parkour. So it's like That's a little it. kid That's with parkour all, all over the hospital room. He's parkouring over there. He's parkouring. Methodist over- Hospital, downtown Gary. Yeah, I don't think so. No. Uh, she said the boy, quote, glided backward on the floor, wall, and ceiling, according to a police report. Washington was scared, but the doctor refused to believe what, what was happening. He asked the boy to, quote, do it again. <laughs> Typical paranormal investigator shit. I'm sorry, I didn't quite hear you. Can you say that again? <laughs> Like, imagine any other situation, any other situation where you're like, uh, so I was laying in bed and my eyes started bleeding like crazy, but it stopped now. And the doctor goes, can you do it again? Hmm. (laughs) Do it again for me, Nick. I I didn't see that one. I didn't see the whole thing. I had my head turned. Can you do that again for me, son? (laughs) Like, what? What? How? Is that, but it's so, like, this story isn't from 1964. This story is from 2012. Like, modern medicine. Like, this is a real thing. (laughs) God damn it. Uh, (laughs) It's so irritating. Uh, So the boy said he didn't remember doing it, and he couldn't do it again. So the doctor remained skeptical. Sweet, because that's productive, you asshole. Um... (laughs) <laughs> but he saw the first time, right? Right? Am I, am I positive the, about it? Yeah. The nurse was there. Fucking people. The nurse was there. Oh, okay. Then the doctor came in, and the doctor didn't see it happen, so well, therefore it wasn't real. 
if the doctor would have, wouldn't have been taking his sweet ass time to get in the goddamn room, he might have seen some action. Yeah, you know it's because I'm so sick of waiting for doctors. It's Ashton Kutcher's fault. <laughs> you come out with a show called Punk. You make everyone yeah. just try to keep guessing. You got it. Just oh, someone's gonna come out. There's a group of people. Scare tactics. Punked. It's your fault. I feel that. It's your fault. <laughs> I don't. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the, the Reverend Michael Magano, that's probably incorrect. Sure, uh, was leading Bible study. We're jumping ahead here. We're, the story is we're we're, okay. we're 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 switching locations from the hospital to the uh, living room of Reverend Michael Mag Maganot Magano. Uh, okay. Was he was leading? Reverend Michael was leading Bible study in his living room the morning of April twentieth, two thousand twelve, when he received a call from a hospital chaplain. Uh, Reverend Michael had been the priest at Saint Stephen Martyr Parish in Merrillville for more than ten years, but had never received a request like this it, one. It, it, it's Merrillville. There's you don't you, no double it's L. A, it's a region thing. You don't pronounce the L's. Oh, it's Merrillville. Oh shit, Merrillville. Got it. Well, I won't make there that mistake Thank again. Thank you. Sorry, that's one of those things that makes me crazy. And it's not Hobart, it's Hobert. Okay, go ahead. Deal. If it comes up again, I will correct it. <laughs> uh, but he, he never received a request like this one. So the chaplain called the reverend and asked him to perform an exorcism on Amon's nine-year-old son. Reverend Michael agreed to interview the family after Sunday Mass a few days later. So basically, the Reverend goes, okay, give me a few days. Uh, I'm going to go to Sunday Mass, and then afterwards, I'm going to interview the family, and then we'll discuss about performing a possible exorcism for this request that doesn't ever happen. place an order for some extra holy water first. Okay. <laughs> it just, it's... Regardless of whether this is fact or fiction, it, the the lack of urgency is baffling across the board. Yes. <laughs> anyway, okay. I gotta, I gotta keep. No, I feel that. Uh, the first step, the Reverend said, was ruling out natural causes for what Amans and her family said they were experiencing. He visited Amans and Campbell in the Carolina Street home, April twenty second, two thousand twelve. For two hours, Amans and Campbell detailed the phenomena for him. Then Campbell interrupted the interview to point out a flickering bathroom light. The flickering stopped each time the reverend walked over to investigate, which he attributed to a demonic presence. Sweet. Of course. That's all it took. Yeah, that's all it took. Just yeah. two hours and a I, You know, I'm going to wait a week before I come over, but that fucking flickering light, turning, stopping, yep. when I walk up, oh, it's a fucking demon. It's it, ridiculous. <laughs> he told the star, quote, it uh, must be scared of me, which is why I did it. Oh. Uh, okay. The interview was interrupted again when Campbell pointed out Venetian blinds in the kitchen swinging even though there was no air current. The reverend said he also mm -hmm. saw wet footprints throughout the living room. Nope. <laughs> I'm out. Like, this isn't like single tier stuff. This is genuinely things that excel. Like, if this were on Ghost Hunters, if this were Zach Baggins, like, this would be next level. This would be a big deal. Oh, yeah. This would be the best paranormal show ever. Yeah. No wonder he bought the place. Go ahead. <laughs> Absolutely. Amon's complained about having a headache. The reverend said she convulsed when he placed a crucifix against her head. After a four-hour interview, the reverend said he was convinced 
that the family was being tormented by demons. He said okay. he also believed there were ghosts in the house. The Reverend blessed the house before he left, praying, reading from the Bible, and sprinkling holy water uh, in each room. And he told Amans and Campbell to leave because it wasn't safe. So they temporarily moved in with a relative. So he did just enough to piss them off. <laughs> Basically. Is what it sounds like. It took him four hours to do it. But yeah, he definitely pissed them off. Yeah. It was like, oh, you got demons. Oh, you got some ghosts, too. There's uh, Charlie. There's Richard. Sandra. She's good. But they can't help you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Leroy's coming back with me. I like him. Yeah, yeah. We're cool. we're tight. We're gonna watch the game together. Uh, yeah. Less than a week yeah. later, go Bears. Go Bears. <laughs> but but less than a week later, the two women were back on Carolina Street to let Washington, the DCS family case manager, check the condition of the home. Washington asked a Lake County police officer to come with her. Two other officers, one each from Gary and Hammond Police Departments, asked to join them out of, quote, professional <laughs> curiosity. If that's not the most unprofessional shit, I was so mad when I typed that into my Word document. Professional curiosity. Okay. So there's a man who lost a leg. I've never seen it before. Let's uh, invite uh, Charlie, who's new in the department, um, Ricky, who's from News Channel 5, uh, these two people, my aunt Shirley, and let's go check this out out of professional curiosity. Kind of pissed they forgot to ask me, Nick. You know what? I'm mad about that, too. <laughs> they could have at least asked you. Uh, Amon's refused to go inside, yeah. but Campbell agreed to accompany the group. Amon's kids still were in DCS custody. The main floor had three bedrooms, a living room, one bathroom, hardwood floors, and a small open-style kitchen. A door in the kitchen led to a basement with concrete floors. Directly under the stairs was a dirt floor. The concrete around it was jagged as though it had been broken. The makeshift altar Amon's had created... <laughs> oh, I forgot about that. ...was still in... <laughs> yeah, it came back. Here it is. <laughs> so the makeshift altar was still in place, along with rings of salt she had poured against the basement walls to, quote, dissuade the demons, according to a Hammond Police Department report. Doesn't look too good, does it? Here's the thing. <laughs> Hammond and Gary aren't even close to each other, really. I'm... T eh, well, may I take that. No, there's... No, they're not. God damn it. They're not. There's Griffith, is which is where I'm from, is right smack dab in the fucking middle. Yeah, these okay, are this ahead. is like a game of telephone from one police department to the next and like, hey, you hear about the shit that went down? Oh yeah, I'm gonna come down. I mean, people probably from New York are gonna drive down and they had to put the the kibosh on yeah. that and be like, mm, no, it's gonna be too suspicious. Yeah, we're gonna draw the line at them there, New Yorkers. <laughs> not that we have a southern accent up in the region. <laughs> So ridiculous. Campbell told officers that demons seemed to emanate from beneath the stairs. Austin, the Gary police captain, was one of those officers. He later told the star he believed in ghosts and the supernatural, but said he didn't believe in demons, which is something we can all uh, relate to. Yes. Austin, More than most. Exactly. Austin said he changed his mind after visiting the Carolina Street House. Ooh, I did not know that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. During the interview with Campbell, one of the officer's audio recorders malfunctioned, according to Austin and Hammond police records. The power light flashed to indicate the batteries were dying, even though the officer had placed fresh batteries in the recorder earlier that day. Another officer recorded audio, and when he played it back later, heard an unknown voice whisper, Hey! According to Lake County police records. <laughs> because that's what demons are going to say. Hey! <laughs> Hey, Bob, can I play with your handcuffs? It's me. See, they just didn't get all the rest of that. Yeah. yeah. 
it's me, Leroy. But like, that's what makes me believe all of this is because it's so small. Like, it wasn't like, I'm going to eat you in your sleep. It's like, hey, (laughs) I believe it. Sold. No, absolutely. (laughs) It's just enough to put a light bulb up over my head, but where I'm not like, oh, it didn't say, I am Beelzebub, Lord of the (laughs) Underworld, you know? (laughs) Exactly. The officer also took photos of the house, and one photo of the basement stairs, there was a cloudy white image in the upper right-hand corner. When an officer enlarged the photo, the cloud appeared to resemble a face. Lake County police records state, the enlargement also revealed a second green image that police say looked like a female. Hmm. Austin said photos he snapped with his iPhone also seemed to have strange silhouettes in them. The radio and his police-issued Ford malfunctioned on the way home. Hmm. Later... Austin said the garage at his Gary home refused to open, uh, even though the power was on everywhere else. Austin said the driver's seat in his personal 2005 Infiniti also started moving backward and forward. Oh, get out. No, that, that mm. trapped in a car and your shit. Hell no, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, I like this covers every single <laughs> possible base that we've ever talked about in paranormal ever. <laughs> Like, ever. Cars are getting... Anyway. Uh, he said he had the car checked at a dealership, and dealership and the mechanic told him the motor on the driver's seat was broken, which the mechanic said could have caused a distraction, leading to an accident. Austin said he found himself starting to believe Amon's claims of paranormal activity, but the mental health professionals evaluating Amon's and her children remain skeptical. And they're skeptic... Jeez, good lord, I can't talk. Uh... And their skepticism led to what is the most tragic part of the story. And I'm going to get through it quick because I am running a little long. Uh, In April 2012, DCS petitioned Lake Juvenile Court for temporary wardship of the three children. The request was granted. DCS found that Amon's neglected her children's education by not having them in school regularly. That was it. That's what got him. That's what got him. School. It's... (sighs) The agency made the same finding in 2000. They had a lot of shit going on in their lives. I'm just. You think? Go ahead. You think? Like, oh, it pisses me off. Uh, the agency made the same finding in 2009, its records show. Amon's told Washington there were times she could not send the kids to school because, quote, the spirits would make them sick or they would be up all night without sleep. Okay. DCS temporarily placed her daughter and older son at St. Joseph's Carmelite Home in East Chicago. Amon's youngest son was sent to Christian Haven in Wheatfield for a psychiatric evaluation. Clinical psychologist Stacy Wright, who evaluated Amon's youngest son, said the boy tended to act possessed when he was challenged, redirected, or asked questions he, did, he didn't want to answer. Mm. Uh, in her evaluation, Wright wrote that he seemed coherent and logical except when he talked about demons. It was then that the eight-year-old's stories became, quote, bizarre, fragmented, and illogical, Wright said. His stories changed each, each time he told them. He also changed the subject, quizzing Wright on math problems and asking her about outer space. Quote, Can you die if you go to space? He asked. How do you get to space? Do you have to wear a helmet and suit? Wright believed the eight-year-old did not suffer from a true psychotic disorder. Quote, This appears to be an unfortunate and sad case of a child who has been induced into a delusional system perpetuated by his mother and potentially reinforced 
by other relatives, she wrote in her psychological evaluation. Just super fucked up. Clinical psychologist Joe Schwartz, who evaluated Amon's daughter and older son, came to a similar conclusion. Quote, there also appears to be a need to assess the extent to which Amon's daughter may have been unduly influenced by her mother's concerns that the family was exposed to paranormal experiences, Schwartz wrote. Mm-hmm. Amon's daughter told Schwartz that she saw shadowy figures in the Carolina Street home. She also said she twice went into trances. Amon's older son told Schwartz that doors would slam and stuff started moving around. Amon's also was examined several times by psychologists who said she was guarded, but did not seem to be experiencing symptoms of psychosis or thought disorder. One psychologist recommended Amon's be assessed to determine whether her religiosity may be masking underlying delusional ideations or perceptual disturbances. Amon's and all three kids continued to insist they were possessed by demons. DCS set goals for the family. One of them stipulated that the children, quote, not discuss demons and being possessed and take responsibility for their actions. They also needed to participate in therapy to address past behavior. While DCS officials credited Amon's for sharing a, quote, close bond with her children, the agency also said she needed to use alternative Alternate forms of discipline not directly related to religion and demon possession, according to DCS's case plan. It's just, it's just, it's really wild. Yeah. It's just wild. Um, uh, appropriate discipline, including, uh, appropriate, Lord have mercy. Words are hard. Appropriate discipline, yes, <laughs> included encouragement, rules, and withholding privileges. She could work on those goals during supervised visits with the children. Amans also had to find a job and appropriate housing, quote, due to paranormal activity at the house on Carolina Street. While Amans- oh, So the, they'll admit that the house is haunted, but mm-hmm. not- okay. Yep. Uh, yep. While Amans worked on meeting those objectives, police and DCS officials continued to investigate strange happenings in the house. And that leads us to our conclusion next week with an exorcism among several other truly supernatural experiences. I'm sorry. I know everyone hates me for delaying it one more week, but I promise it's going to get wild. There's so much, though. There's so much information. I tried. I I I was like, I'm gonna run along. I gotta cut stuff. I gotta find a good stopping point. And it's just every single little. There are so many factors at play that even reading this report uh, that was beautifully sum- summarized by the star will allow the listeners also to like get involved and figure out like who went wrong, what what happened, what's real, what's not. Like figure it out because it's just it's so interesting. What I can't figure out is how is she using the demons to punish them? That just makes zero sense whatsoever. If they're not real, you can't use the demons. I don't know. I (sighs) rationale. It's finding that line of like, how can we? How can we? We can't explain it, so we're gonna acknowledge it, but we're also gonna acknowledge that it's fake and you're using it to abuse your children, which have then been taken away from you. And you're also Which suffering is, it. Their job is to, you know, prove that these parents are unfit so they can take the children away. Yeah. Don't get me started on that shit. Need more scares in your life? Well, duh, we've got you. Just head over to tinyurl.com slash get shutter and you'll automatically get seven days free of this all horror all the time. 
streaming network. From their endless selection of the best in horror, the original programming and exclusive content, to their flexible membership plans. Shudder is exactly what you need. Plans start at under five bucks a month, and yes, you can cancel at any time. I mean, what are you waiting for? tinyurl.com slash getshudder. tinyurl.com slash getshudder. G-E-T-S-H-U-D-D-E-R. Let's get scared. Extra, extra, read all about it. Okay, so that was lame. But we have a new merch store, my friends. Head on over to tpublic.com slash stores slash oddity dash files. Guys, We've got everything there. We're still adding more. The prices are much more cost-effective there, and this store is so easy to navigate. What are you waiting for? Head on over to tpublic.com slash stores slash oddity dash files. Get your merch on. Are you a coffee addict like me? Well, check out Bones Coffee Company. Coffee isn't just a drink that wakes you up in the morning, it's an experience. When you brew a pot of Bones Coffee Company coffee, they want you to have the best experience you've ever had. They only roast carefully selected beans to perfection in small batches to ensure that you get the freshest coffee delivered straight to your door. The care given to each of those small batches is evidenced through the rich, full-bodied, and exceptionally smooth taste you'll get out of every cup of Bones Coffee Company you drink. You guys, this is amazing. First and foremost, I love coffee. I love wine and I love bourbon, but I love coffee. So check it out and help out the podcast. Go to tinyurl.com slash Bones Coffee. Get your coffee fix and help out your favorite podcast. We appreciate you. Are you looking for that next great read? Well, I've got you because I wrote it. Head on over to Amazon.com or BarnesandNoble.com and order yourself a copy of my book, I'd Rather Talk to Dead People, where I tell you the ins and the outs of my paranormal journey thus far. If you've watched the TV show Oddity Files on Amazon Prime or YouTube, this is the perfect companion piece to give you an inside look on what was going on inside my head during my most prominent investigations to date. Again, Amazon.com or BarnesandNoble.com. Just search I'd Rather Talk to Dead People by Kitsy Duncan. Thank you. So... I'm going to run real quick through my story. This is something I've been meaning to ride on for a long time, actually. Um, there aren't many, thing in, many things in the world of paranormal investigation, a.k.a. ghost hunting, that I would even come close to considering myself an expert in. I mean, how can any of us consider ourselves an expert in anything otherworldly at all? Anyway, unless, you know, you're DCS. Um <laughs> 
But the one part <laughs> of investigating <laughs> and the part I seem to get the best and most substantial evidence from is ITC communication. Am I an expert? No. Am I grateful for all the amazing communication I've received via the SB7 spirit box and noise generating apps? Hell yes, I am. The term instrumental transcommunication was coined in the late 1970s by Professor Ernst Sinkowski. Not Wazowski, but Sinkowski. Mike Wazowski, Mike Wazowski. Excuse me. So what is ITC communication? Well, it's a form of EVP, electronic voice phenomenon, which are sounds found on electric recordings that are interpreted as spirit voices that have been either unintentionally recorded or intentionally requested and recorded. A lot of big words in this. Please try to follow along, kids. There will be a test. Just kidding. Um, Parapsychologist... Oh, this is like a Russian name, Konstantinus Raudiv. Oh, sure. Who popularized the idea in the 1970s? Described EVP as typically brief, usually the length of a word or short phrase, and that comes to you straight up off the Wikipedia page for EVP. I didn't even realize there was a page for it. Um, People have experienced (laughs) amplified and recorded spirit contact since the birth of electronic receiving and recording devices, which I didn't know. The spirit voices have been heard over since the telephone's earliest days. From the days of the first radios, spirit voices have come through the radio speakers, but the phenomena grew in frequency near the end of World War II, with the gradual spread of the use of the first wire recorders, which then gave way to tape recorders. Wire recorders had been used by the military during the war and had worked well. It soon became apparent, however, that tape was better, uh, a much better medium for recording. Uh, First coated paper tape and then later magnetized plastic tape, which is the tapes I remember as a kid, which, I mean, I'm sure you know nothing about, Nick, with your final. Um, (laughs) The first spirit voice was recorded on tape by Reverend Drayton Thomas while working with Gladys Osborne, a famous medium who channeled Thomas's deceased father during a seance in the 1940s. The team constructed an EVP recorder consisting of a microphone inside of a cabinet resting inside of a speaking trumpet. So, I mean, they went all out. And a cord connected the microphone that led to a tape recorder outside of the cabinet, which was connected to a loudspeaker, and they heard whispers from inside the cabinet upon the connection and recorded the occurrence. Can I get a I mean, diagram? It's brilliant. Yeah, I do not. Can we can, it's can we can we share like a graph of how this works? I don't, maybe there will be a test and you will have to draw this. I'm for like me. I'm trying to I'm like visually placing these things in my head, but I only know what some of them are. So like I'm just like this thing a inside speaking of this trumpet. Thing. I'm picturing like that old school like cheerleader thing. <laughs> it's like the 
Oh that's yeah, that's a hearing yeah. trumpet. Yeah, yeah, the, the yeah the the that thing. I, that was a terrible megaphone. <laughs> Yes. That look, yeah. Patreon exclusive. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> it, which is brilliant. So you've got all this stuff set up inside this cabinet. Um, the microphone, the speaking trumpet, um, the wires, and then um, everything leads out to speakers and a tape recorder outside. That's the Cliff Notes version of what I just said. Yeah. But it's not very practical for today's modern paranormal researcher. Am I right? Who has room for a cabinet and speaking trumpet with all the other equipment we're lugging around these days? <laughs> well, and you're creating more room for error, I think. The beauty of the devices yeah. that we have is like, there's one thing, and if it doesn't work, you, you bring something else out. You don't have like a exactly. thing and a thing and a thing and a thing. It's like one of, one of those things. It's like Christmas lights. One of them goes out, you're fucked. <laughs> you're <laughs> fucked. Exactly. And everything nowadays you can hold in your hand, which is fucking magical. <laughs> okay. So the EVP um, became very popular in the 60s and 70s, where many amateur parapsychics dabbled with homemade tape recorders. And then in the late 1970s, Paul Jones, G.W. Meek, and Hans Heckman started a lab researching two-way voice communication using more advanced equipment. George and Jeanette Meek met psychic medium William O'Neill, who could hear and see ghosts. And the Meeks ended up funding and directing research into spirit communication, while O'Neill, the psychic, operated the electronic devices and used his psychic expertise. So I'm, I'm sure his psychicness was finding the ghosts and then they'd go record them is how I'm picturing it going down in my head. But O'Neill was actually able to communicate with a deceased colleague of Dr. Mueller, who was a professor and NASA scientist who materialized in O'Neill's living room to announce he was going to help construct new electromagnetic equipment to convert spirit voices to audible voices. Are you kidding me right now? Mm. I mean, that's super specific. Uh. So the, the device was named the Spiricom uh, with a set of tone and frequency generators that relayed 13 tones that extended all ranges of the adult male voice, which is, is almost similar to some of the apps I use in this day and age. Uh, but I mean, if you're going to have someone help you from the other side, why not a NASA scientist? Oh, I mean, that's I, absolutely. I, yeah, I, I've been investigating the wrong people for a long time. <laughs> So, um, yeah, the Spiritcom was used, and they had some luck with it. But then in, on April 6th, 1982, the first announcement of the Spiritcom was made to the Meta Science Foundation. And he at that time, they described his Spiritcom Mark IV, which I think is four, as consisting of three components, a trans receiver operating in different radio frequencies, uh-huh, uh-huh, and the input of energy from an operator, uh-huh, uh-huh, who had certain highly psychic abilities. Sounds like me and my spirit box. <laughs> <laughs> what that means in layman terms is that ranges of sound 
could lend to the spirits being able to communicate was introduced into the world of EVP collection. So around 1982 is when like the pre, 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 precursor to my beloved spirit box came into play. But at that time, the psychic would have to, you know, use little knobs and and his hands and, and go back and forth between all the radio stations. But still, they had luck with it. And then in 1995 is when the pre, pre, precursor to my beloved spirit box came around. And that was called the Frank's Box. Inventor Frank Sumpton would come across an article in Popular Electronics with regards to electronic voice phenomena. So he hadn't even heard of EVPs until he was reading Popular Electronics. I didn't even know they did articles on that kind of stuff. (laughs) Yeah, I didn't either. So this would cause the initial spark needed that would eventually give birth to a plethora of designs in the paranormal research community today. Frank's box was first created in 2002. So it it took him a hot minute to get it all created and all together. I did. I was just going to do this whole article on, on Frank and his Frank's box, but Frank was a little out there um but thank god he was or he probably would have never come up with this no absolutely yeah okay so that was created in 2002 with real-time communication with intelligence um out with our physical reality the device was described as a combination of white noise generation and an am radio receiver modified to sweep back and forth through radio frequencies, selecting split-second snippets of sound as raw audio. So this was really just the baby spirit box. Frank said he was never in this to make any money by selling the boxes or his theories. He had no books to peddle, no overpriced boxes to sell, and his heart was in this for pure communication with what he called the others. Kind of wow. creepy. All right. Then, November 2007, Mike Coletta, who goes as UFO Geek, devised a hack for a Radio Shack model 12-470. Also what became the Shack hack. So anybody who's seen shows pre-Spirit Box, I mean, even the Ghost Adventures crew used a Shack hack or hack shack. Now I'm looking at the words on my screen and they seem backwards. I hate when that happens. Okay, according to Mike Coletta, he was the creator of this, but the origin origin of the shack hack is up for debate. But in 2007, a tutorial for how to make a standard Radio Shack AM FM handheld radio was released to the masses via the interwebs. And the masses were hooked. This is when the what I now call the spirit box made its way into just about every paranormal investigator who was kind of sort of handy's hands. And over the years, more and more modifications were made to this Radio Shack box. And the world became hooked on having real-time conversations with what we all assume is the dead. Do we know for sure if it's the dead? 
No, because there's no rule book on the paranormal. But I know it's the dead. Then, in 2009, the P-SB7 Spirit Box, created by Gary Galka, made its premiere debut on Ghost Adventures Live, show from the Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum on October 30th. 2009. From the moment it was turned on, it provided real-time responses to uh, the spirit medium's questions for over a 40-minute segment on the show. What the PSB7, I just call it the SB7 spirit box. I just call it the spirit box to be perfectly honest. So I'm going to stop with all the letters and numbers and shit. Um, it's a seven-step adjustable sweep rate that provides user flexibility. This is straight from the SB7 website on individual technique and session circumstances as it will scan both forward and backward through either AM or FM frequencies at the speed chosen by the users. And it's said, and I know, and we know, that spirits can manipulate the white noise and the voices coming over via the radio stations, that it only picks up a millisecond of on each sweep. And this is how the, again, what we assume to be the dead, can communicate with the living in a real-time conversational atmosphere. And now there are more apps available that provide the same noises as my beloved spirit box, but I'm going to tell you my favorite app, the one that you've seen on the show a bazillion times, Oddity Files on Amazon Prime. Thanks to all you new UK viewers. Love you guys. Um, but my favorite app would be the Portal Plus app. You turn it on and it goes, Portal Plus. It's amazing. Um, <laughs> lost my place. So it's a different take on on these apps. There's zero white noise. But there's three different pre-recorded voices that are all played in reverse. Unintelligible as it comes across, but the spirits are said, and I for one have heard it done, to be able to manipulate these voices and again have a real-time conversation with the living. So there you have it, kiddos. A not-so-quick rundown on my favorite piece of paranormal investigative equipment and how it came to be. I literally could have made this story about three hours long with all the information I came across. But we all know how I how obsessed I am with this form of communication known as ITC. Because for some reason, the dead speak to me via anything other than a fucking handheld recorder. <laughs> because I can't get a real EVP. But I totally forgot to write down my sources before I closed the window. So shout out to Google for helping me find all this information. That is, I, you know, there's something really special about that because when I was in high school, I had this thing plugged into your cigarette lighter. You smack your phone into it. Your phone rests in this dock. It's in your cigarette lighter. It's an FM transmitter, which I guess those oh, yeah. aren't really. Yeah. So you pick the station you want. You find like the shittiest station and then you, you lock it in. And I was... Uh, grew up in a very small town, so like I'm in in uh, traffic, turning into my school, and then someone else, a friend of mine, is in front of me, and uh, he's picking up what I'm listening to from my phone on that FM station, 
And then he picked up his phone to call somebody. And I picked up like bits and pieces of what he was saying through back through the FM transmitter that was in my car. What? Yeah. Like through that station. That's it crazy. was it was insane. And so like that really the spirit box thing, I didn't really I learned about it um like several, several years ago, but it was still something that I'm like, eh, okay, all right. And then thinking back to when that happened, I'm like, all right. I fully believe that that is a thing that will absolutely work. A hundred percent. Yeah. So. Well, now I'm thinking, I'm like, God, what if my spirit box is picking up? Somebody's got one of those damn FM receiver things and it's just a phone conversation. I think it's probably. bunk my beloved spirit box. It's probably less likely. <laughs> Less likely now. Yeah. I, don't, I don't even think they sell those FM. I mean, maybe they do for like older cars, and you're gonna order them, special order them on some website or eBay or whatever. But I, I think that it's it's less likely now that people have that and the technology that we're using as well. I think the the radio signal signals that were transmitted from older phones are different with the 4G, 5G tower scenario that we have now with our new phones. Um, because well, a lot and of if you're antenna. If you're getting a spirit voice, you know, through all these different radio stations, then, I mean, it's legit. Absolutely. Yeah, you got to be honed into, like, the one station that someone also happens to be on. And it's it's not, yeah, it's far less likely nowadays. Now, if you had a spirit box back in, like, 2005. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. (laughs) But nowadays, no way. Not with all the antennas. In the phone. Yeah, you know? no. And it, honestly, I mean, I just have had so much, especially lately, so much luck with these, the, my spirit box, where I, through all the sweeps, I'm getting one voice answering all of my questions real time. And I'm trying to figure, I'm like, this can't be real. This is, it's so easy you know what i'm saying i don't know if it's because my wavelength is tuned into wherever they are whatever they're doing i I can't explain how i'm able to get these conversations with these spirits and i'm I'm not discounting it and i am so grateful for like people keep telling me i have a gift i'm like but it's just a spirit box i bought on amazon so it's not a but maybe (sighs) Maybe it is. I don't know. It's I, I don't see anybody else getting the results that I do. So not that I'm here patting myself on my back. I'm just spewing in this, you know, overly long episode as it is. So that's what I do. Stopping myself. I, I think it's I think it's amazing and I think that there is something probably to it. Uh, supernaturally, scientifically, if, uh, if if we're talking, I think there is like an alignment um, to, uh, and I think it is tuning into that perfect frequency, that perfect station that uh, that creates the the perfect platform to communicate to. Yeah, because uh, I've been the dead, I've actually so been doing a lot of thinking. I'm like I'm not a medium, but I I get answers for people like a medium would but it's not in my head it's so these people can actually hear it having a really weird bout of deja vu right now too so that's not helping matters okay so we don't have time for a story but next week we will and we've got a story from ursula who she just sent today well she sent it a while ago and she said oh by the way you can totally read that and i didn't think i could so i was gonna read it today 
but we're, you know, I had commercials to this thing. We're way over. So, guys, we fucking appreciate you. We appreciate you sending your stories. I appreciate you listening to to me ramble and not speak good (laughs) on a regular basis and fart. Same. Yeah. Okay. I I, should have waited until you finished your sentence, but everyone, you know, everybody farts. Okay. If you don't, you probably need to go to a doctor. (laughs) That's how we end it. I'm like sweaty. I I was trying because I told you, I texted you today. I'm like, oh, my story's not that long. And I'm looking at it going, oh, I got to read faster. I got to read faster. And I like worked up a sweat. This is terrible. Okay, guys, we love you. Long time. Where does the new, I'm Kitsy Duncan. Where does the new cool? And I'm Nick Floyd, ghost on. Thanks to our producers, Donald Blanchflower, uh, Ryan Hoke, and Doug Maldenlock. Love you. Bye. Huh. I'm literally sweating. <laughs>